Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, a Lexus UX 300E Special Edition. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. A UX E? 300E. That's right. An E from Lexus? Right. Come on. Yes, yes. Well, everybody keeps going on about how Toyota and Lexus don't actually sell any full EVs, which is wrong, because they do. Right at the minute, they sell, certainly here in the UK, they sell one. And that is the Lexus UX 300E. So what is a UX? Lexus UX is an SUV. It's a CSUV. And it's based off the NGC architecture, which is the new global platform, mm-hmm. but without the word Toyota at the start. Uh, and it's a C-segment size. Okay. So it is similar, but if I said it was the same platform, I'm sure I would have a PRs telling me that I was being wrong. It is a similar platform, uh, similar loose skeleton to the Toyota Corolla. Okay. So it's a kind of jumped up version of that. Right. So normally, if you go out and you want to go and buy a Lexus UX, you'll buy a Lexus UX 250H of some variety, which is H for hybrid. Mm-hmm. And that obviously is, is hybrid-y. The 300E is the hybrid without the engine and in space of the fuel tank and also some of the other gubbins that should go underneath the car. There is a big battery pack slung there instead. Well, I say a big battery pack. It's not actually a massive battery pack. It is a 54 kilowatt hour battery pack. Okay, But we'll talk more about the batteries later on in range and all that kind of fun stuff that is obligatory when you're talking about about EVs. Mm -hmm. I'm not really sure it's a model that was ever meant to exist. It's one of these. It's a little bit like a certain Yaris that we talk about depressingly often on this show. It's one of those ones, I think, where they've they've sort of gone and gone, "Um, okay, we will be selling EVs at some point. We need to get people used to the idea of that both internally and how to sell them and all these things. So let's do it on a relatively low-risk, low-volume I don't want to say cobbled together because it's Toyota and Toyota don't really cobble anything together. Uh, but let's, yeah, let's let's use this as a way of not quite testing the market, but testing getting people used to the idea of an EV. You know, our dealers and making sure the infrastructure is there in our dealers, and the supply chain can cope with it to get it there, and all these kind of th- all these kind of things. Kind of feels like a soft launch, almost. It, it, yeah. If, if we're going to use really consultancy. GRN's soft launch for the for the GR Supra. Yeah. And 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 also the GR Yaris. And this is a similar mm. similar thing. I, I, I quite like that, that they are wanting to stress test all the elements. Well, nobody's ever said that, by the way. That is purely my assumption. Sorry, this is that what is, it feels like me, to us. That is me saying that, and, and that's how it feels to me. That is not anything which has ever been said to me by anyone from Lexus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Is she, do you want to move on quickly now, move on to, say, prices and things <laughs> yeah. like that? Let's do that, yeah, before we get in trouble. Uh, so prices of a UX 250H start at 29995 Of a 300E, after the grant, they start at £43,900. Mm-hmm. If you add a plus pack, it's uh, you're going to ask me at some point what's in the plus pack, and I will at some point then look it up in the press pack because I've now forgotten. The plus pack is £47,400. If you want plus pack and 18-inch wheels instead of the 17 that come as standard, uh, then it's £48,150. And the Takumi, which is everything thrown at it, 
is £53,500. Okay. There are very few options. Basically, you choose one of those four, and you choose a colour, and that's it. Well, you choose a colour, and you choose an interior trim as well. Mm. Interior colour. So for for anybody who's not heard any of our uh, Lexus reviews before, that is very much you are limited to a set number of things and you will go either down a sporty or a comforty-ish slightly. I mean, they're, they're both sort of crossover, but it's that sort of thing, isn't it? This is very much a, a comfort thread, if you want. You, mm-hmm. you increase comfort. The only variance in that will affect your handling is is really the size of your wheels. Okay. Other than that, it, it seems, uh, from what I can glean, it is the same. Uh, you know, it's the same suspension settings. Everything has the same ride height, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But you you find that lots of non-European brands do do what we've just discussed. They they have a bunch of packs which just cover everything, and then yeah, and that's that. You don't really you're not you given really figure the socks of, off it. You know, like three or four pages of options. Go oh, tick it, away. No, it, it's not like well-known German brand with a propellery badge. No, you mentioned that there's limited options, but. Well, you can go to the dealer and you can get some bits for it. So mm-hmm. you can get sort of trims and d- in different colours to if you want silver bits on the front and if you want if you want extra spoilery bits or aero sticky oni bits on the side or if you want a roof rack, wind deflectors, that kind of stuff. Not really, you know, nothing that's going to actually materially change the core vehicle. Mm-hmm. Okay. Things that do change materially change the core vehicle, of course, include the colours. There is a fine selection of colours available to you. There are colours without colour tags. Uh, those are the flat colours. Sorry, you yeah. said colours. Vel- that's plural. Well, <laughs> there are, yeah, so there's velvet black. <laughs> you can debate whether that's a colour or not. That's for someone else somewhere else. And there's also Fuji red, which is just flat red. Okay. It's, it's sort of fire engine-y. There are metallics. So there is graphite black, which is like black. There is mercury grey, which is grey. There's terrain khaki, which is, it's that really, you know that nice color that you keep seeing on the Lexus LC, mm. particularly the convertible with the brown roof? Yep. You know that green color? Mm-hmm. It's that color. Yep. It's really nice. Mm. There is celestial blue, which is quite a bright blue, and satin silver. Now, those one, the, those uh, five will, will come in at £570 each. There are also three pearlescents. Sonic white, which is white. Sonic Titanium, which is titanium, and Blazing Carnelian, which sounds like, I don't know. Sounds like he's a Star Wars Squad or something. Or, uh, yeah. (laughs) He's a bounty hunter. (laughs) It is. It is. It is. But those will set you back £820, and that's how much the bounty is for Blazing Carnelian, which is... Great name. You also get a choice of interior colors, as far as I could tell from poking at the configurator. These did not add to the price. You can choose cobalt leather, which is mostly cream with some bright, bright blue. Cobalt, funnily enough. <laughs> In there, you can have orchil leather, uh, which is a favorite of my art teacher. You can have black leather, or you can have rich cream leather, uh, or white ash leather. The test car I had was a mercury gray with cream leather which was nice not sure i would choose the cream but i would probably choose the white ash instead but what i would actually have if it were for me was the terrain khaki with the ochre leather okay 
that would be really nice. Yeah, uh, that, that's what I'd have. With that combo, the test car came in at £51,959. Okay. Take a deep breath, everyone. Yeah. Yes. So let's move on, shall we? Okay. <laughs> so the outside looks just like a Lexus UX, apart from the fact that in, instead of the word hybrid along the side, it has the word electric along the bottom of the back door. Other than that, and the slightest glimpse of a battery pack just poking down below the, the bodywork, so forming the lowest part of the bottom of the vehicle, mm. it just looks the same as the hybrid. Okay. Uh, so it, it's a Lexus SUV that's been the boil wash. The surfacing is pretty complex. It's not overly fussy. I don't think maybe the wheel arches are a little bit on the on the twiddly side, uh, but it's got that spindle grill at the front. It's got those arrow sort of tick DRLs. It's got a heck blend at the rear as well, where the two, both rear lights join in the middle. But overall, in its styling, it's very much a raised hatchback with some some cladding around the wheel arches. And as we all know, cladding is a good thing. Yeah, especially if you're going to be using it in an urban environment to be perfectly honest because it would the cladding does stick out mm. further than anything but the but the mirrors so yeah it's nice mm -hmm. this one had uh 18 inch five spoke alloys which was sort of darker gray in the middle lighter gray around the uh, more sort of silver polished off so it wasn't the whole black and polished metal wheels which i really don't like uh in this case it was a kind of dark gray uh, and and polished uh, which looks much nicer, much, much nicer. It's it's kind of, it's not fussy. It's just a little bit of detail, which which looks good. And it looks great with that that titanium gray body as well. Mm -hmm. I don't know, not much else to write home about about that. It, it looks like a UX, which is just a small Lexus. Yeah, it's it's you know, very obviously Lexus, particularly if you're looking at the front. It's kind of funny that we say that now. It, it, it's, it's obviously a Lexus. You know, there was a time when it was very difficult to say that. But no, it is it is clearly a Lexus, and it's a Lexus from the front side and the rear. Hmm. I can't really comment from the top. I didn't spend a lot of time looking at the top of it. Well, you just let us all down there, huh? I know, I know. It's just not good enough. I should park it outside, peer out my bedroom window at it. You should. Okay, what about uh, the interior then? Well, with a Lexus, I tend to find it's, a lot of it is about the interior. The interior is probably generally better than the out than, than the exterior we'll start at the back because that's what we do on the motoring podcast i don't know why we just always have done so the boot obviously electric opening closey tailgate the actual boot itself decent size with a flat floor there is a small undercroft in there which holds the charging cables and oh, okay. the three pin charger mm -hmm. uh, and all these kind of things which means that it remains a nice clear space even mm. when you're using it. And there's not anything to slide around. Under there as well is the sort of emergency tire inflation compressor. Okay. There is a bit of a lip to lift things in, more like a hatchback than an estate car. Right. It's worth mentioning that. Again, it goes along with that. It's a jacked up hatch, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't want to say Rover Streetwise. I'll get in trouble for that. Uh, yes. But it's not a million miles off that concept, just electric in this case uh in the back there is a single curry hook the curry hook is is not a particularly glamorous design or anything uh, but it is well positioned and it does hold the bag 
perfectly in place. You can forgive it for not being one on the other side because the other side has the uh, as a subwoofer for the Mark Levinson stereo. And if you spent once you spent a little while listening to that Mark Levinson stereo, you can cope with one bag. Okay. There is a lo- luggage cover over the back. It is a luggage cover and not a parcel shelf. It is fabric over a f- over a sort of frame uh, around the outside. So you can't really put anything on top of it. It is super lightweight. It just lifts with the tailgate obviously but yeah just be aware it is a luggage cover and not a not a parcel shelf i don't know i don't ever put anything on top of luggage covers slope stroke no. parcel shelves because if you break hard then they come sliding forward and and cause can cause all sorts of of incidents i believe we have to call them yes so yeah i don't i don't do that anyway so it doesn't really bother me i saw uh, i've seen some people with other so the gi yaris launch for example some people were poking at and go well that's a bit low rent and i thought what the heck does it matter it covers the luggage yeah and and that's my feeling with this one as well i don't have any uh, I, I don't feel an, any animosity towards its lightweight sporting brief. At most, I would be putting some coats on there if the boot was full, but that would be uh, at most. Yeah, it tends to be a, oh God, I've got this jacket which I need on my way to France or on my way back from France. That tends to be when the only time stuff ever gets put up there. Yeah, opinion. but generally I like to keep that clear anyway because I like to look out the back. Yes, I know it's a radical yes. concept for some. Yes. I also use indicators. That's another radical concept around here. <laughs> okay, so what's, the, what's it? What's it like in the back? Now we've we've talked about the for sitting rather than putting. <laughs> yes, uh, so it's they've got decent space. You could you could quite easily have two of you in there for a, a reasonable period of time. I think three is getting on for a bit of a squash. As I say, it's C segment, so that's always going to be the case. You're not going to magically find that there is enough room for a rugby team in the back. Mm. Two and a half seats, really. Uh, middle seat, slightly raised up from the, the, the two side ones. And there is a bit of transmission tunnel as well. Okay. Not much, but it's there. But that, that cream interior really lifts the interior. Mm. I mean, I think... It's the, super bright. A, a darker colour would be very dark in there. You know, it's not as bad as you think because there's also what you can't really notice from the photos that I know that you're looking at is that there is really quite a large electric glass sunroof there as well. Uh, it's just that in the photos, because it was such a bright day, then the cover is forward uh, over it. So that helps as well. There's privacy glass too, but but one of the lighter interiors is definitely the way to go if you can. I think when you've got a choice of different interior colors, uh, all of which are pretty tasteful, mm then to just plump for the black leather is showing a terrible lack of imagination. And I think you're actually making it a less pleasant place to be than it, than, than it can be mm. for no additional charge to you. Yeah. If you choose the black leather, then, then you're probably being a little bit foolish when it comes to specifying this, especially as some of the lighter ones, again, you've got that light headliner. So it does give the impression of there being much, much more space than probably there is. Yeah important because uh, again looking at the rear area um, photograph the the rear windows don't look over large so if you if you go for the dark interior even with the sunroof you've got you run the risk of and that and why why if it doesn't cost you anything why do that yeah well exactly exactly i mean not that's probably perfectly pleasant and fine if you don't know any better but but i, I wouldn't I, I completely agree. Bear in mind, there is a cream headliner there, though. So if you, it does sort of make it a bit trickier if you're going to be carrying anything a bit grubby mm-hmm. uh, that might be sort of 
knocking off the roof or painting off it or, or or just or rubbing it. So so do be careful of that with cream headliners, but they do fairly lift the interior ambience. Outer seats in the back, as you've kind of inferred by now, I'm sure that the the center seat is is definitely second class travel. Outer seats in the back, uh, very much first class travel. They both they both have Isofix, and on the Takumi spec here, they are heated as well. Whatever spec you go for, there are vents to the back seats and there are also two 2.1 amp USB power sockets for charging all the things. Excellent. Um, I like Yeah, might, mighty handy. <laughs> mighty handy. Up front, it's officially a very nice place to be. Okay, it really is. You could take a leave sitting on the back, but in the front is really, really nice. The dashboard is nice and low again it just adds to that feeling of airiness the top of the the sort of that low sweep of dash uh, right across to the right across to the a pillar on the passenger side is covered in it's an odd material it's sort of raw brown leather in this case now the color changes depending on what color you choose for the rest of the interior okay on the cream interior it was dark 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 brown Right, And I don't know if it's leather or it's meant to simulate leather or it's not actually trying to be leather at all and is being man-made recycled something. Mm. I don't know, but it kind of felt like a sort of unfinished, it wasn't waxy, it wasn't polished, but it was a kind of unfinished rawish leather on this with stitching, uh, you know, proper genuine real stitches, not sort of BMW E30 molded in stitches. <laughs> Traumatized my child. That, but you know nice stitching right the way around the edge and a sort of double double lapped edge so like a matte finish to the it was really nice it felt really nice too if you reached out and touched it and it wasn't really on a tactile surface you know it's, unless you're a motoring journalist you do not reach out and grapple the top of the dashboard to see how nice it feels oh they they are they are the only places you touch if you're a motoring journalist come so, on yeah some some hard plastics but absolutely not the case here <laughs> there are it it just nice it looked nice it didn't reflect it felt nice when you went oh i wonder what that is just nice i've talked far too much about that really but it it is it is cool as i say it changes i think it changes material a little bit as well uh, when you change the the different colors binnacle ahead of the driver is standard sort of lexus fair it's it's a trapezoidal uh, traction control knob pokes out of one side and the drive mode knob pokes out of the other side as if somebody has rammed a sort of rod of aluminium through the middle uh, <laughs> of it, exactly the same as it is on the DLC or on it, pretty much every Lexus model. It's remarkably quick to get used to that. Yeah, it feels yeah, I mean, very I've natural. I've never touched the quickly. traction control one. Well, no, 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 I don't. I've not bothered with that. But with the, with the drive modes, yeah, it's incredibly quickly. How I was surprised at how quick it was that that mm. didn't feel odd in any way because you're used to them being you know buttons on the thing or down buttons by in the, the middle gear lever or whatever it's, it's a finger's reach from the steering wheel mm, yeah so so if you do decide you need a little bit more room you can just sort of reach forward a little bit with your index finger and just flick it one way or the other or just tap the end to put it back to to comfort or eco yeah it just works which is kind of cool uh moving across towards the center then there's a very wide format screen sort of cinema format not not 16 to 9 but wider than that <laughs> they moved the move the curtains that extra little bit because it's a special yeah. film 
Yeah, that's what it is. It's that cinemascope. <laughs> and it is this really wide format screen. Uh, and that covers a whole load of stuff. It lets you sort of do sort of more detailed configuration of Ventilate. I mean, there's buttons and stuff too, but basically I just stuck that on auto. Once I found out how to turn on the climate concierge, which is a thing in Lexus, in a Lexus. And once you know it's there, you like you make a point going turning it on and not pratting with the buttons. And mm. it just decides when to cool your seat, when to, to not depending on who how many people are in the seats it just to where to put the the air it's it's like climate control but 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 a bit more it includes the 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 seats and i believe the steering wheel as well if you don't have this in the months of sunshine so you can go in you can figure that it's also got carplay and android auto with carplay it fills the entire wide screen with carplay unlike the hyundai i20 what <laughs> which may or may not be at the other end of the price range uh, for, for which you could buy two for the cost of one of these then where it leaves this kind of weird blank bit at one end of the screen then then this it takes up the entire width uh, width of of that screen uh, beside that there's a really nice analog clock because i like analog clocks in the dashboard i was waiting for you to mention it <laughs> one of the key reasons to buy an infinity there everyone so yeah, so that's that's at the top. Below that, below the sort of nice leathery covering, is uh, are some air vents. Below that, there's a sort of row of, sort of piano key buttons uh, for the ventilation. If you decide that that you wish to to operate that uh, manually and probably less well than the climate concierge thingy does it. Uh, under that, there's all the auxiliary buttons. So your heating, cooling seats. Again, if you want to do that yourself, uh, all the other sort of blinky buttons that you you might want uh, not a single blank at all in any of in this car as i say it does have have all of the toys and that is a chi wireless charger 12 volt socket and then moving towards towards the back of the car uh you've got your cup holders uh drive selector on the right hand side obviously trackpad for left-handed people to be able to use uh, easily on the left hand side still getting easier but but still a bit of a pest. It's all right. I could, I could do it. By the way, I just put, ended up using CarPlay for practically everything. Yeah. Uh, and Siri. And then the whole problem went away mm -hmm. because I didn't have to try and poke at the thing. I could just say where I wanted to go and it took me. Yep. Yay. Uh, it solved the problem. Mark Levinson Stereo, I've already dropped in about that. It really is good. It's as good as a Mark Levinson Stereo and pretty much any other Lexus. Really good. Really nice just sounded great i ramped it right up to 11 playing some of the kind of stereo testing tracks from uh mighty car mods so too sexy and and the other one that that accompanies that uh meant for testing out big stereo installs and it was it was good don't don't do it with your neighbors around go somewhere into the countryside where you're only annoying some <laughs> some farmers and, and just ramp it up and then think if i put this much louder i'm possibly going to blow this i don't really want to do that and turn it down before you actually reach the top of the stereo uh, the top of the uh, top of the volume controls but the controls for that are in a really odd place they're kind of horizontal and they're in the front of the central armrest eh? yeah it's really weird uh, hang on to explain it i have to go back and look at the picture as well so you can choose this media and you can choose your skip and it's sort of like the volume is a dial on the front of and it's oh gee how to explain this without using my hands this is this is when it's hard to be an audio there is definitely going to be a picture in the show notes ladies and gentlemen so do click through to see this yeah however this is very <laughs> difficult however it's far more fun to watch me 
me uh, in pain over this. So uh, you turn it on and off by clicking. In the middle of the front of the armrest, there is a little dial which is mounted horizontally with the end of it poking out, a little bit like this, the, the volume control used to be on a Walkman, okay? Or a Discman if you're a little bit younger. So you can press that in to turn it on and off, and you can swipe left and right. Essentially, you roll the rotary control left and right to make it louder or quieter. Uh, either side of that, on the left, there's a button for radio. On the right, there's a button to choose which media it is you're going to run from. Uh, skipping left and right are buttons on either side of that. And then the tune or the, I think it's scrolling within a track, is another little dial sort of down that you would use with your left thumb. You could also use the buttons on the steering wheel. <laughs> Or you can just shout at it and tell it to turn it up or turn it down. I think at one point in this, then I'm not working out something like five different ways I could skip tracks, play music on my phone uh, using this car. Uh, this was possibly the least intuitive of a lot of them. Once you got used to it, it was fine, especially the volume bit. Nothing else, nothing beyond that didn't use anything. Mm -hmm. no. Yeah. But it was bright, it's airy, it's... It's just, as I say, it's just now beautifully finished. I'm presuming it's really, really comfortable. Yeah. Oh, and the seats are fantastic. Yeah. And, and they blow cold air at your bum. But the seats, super comfortable electric seats. All the entire model range has electric seats. So even when we say the base model, then, then electric seats are in, in there too on both sides. Mm -hmm. But just super comfortable, really adjustable, just nice. I'm sorry. That's pathetic reviewing, isn't it? Before I forget, the central binnacle has a, a nice sort of clear TFT screen in it. The center of the, the screen is, again, Lexus theme that they're all a bit like this with varying levels of complexity up to the LC that Andrew drove not so long ago, where bits of plastic move back and forth. That doesn't happen here, but the display changes in the middle and what it shows depends on your drive mode as ever. Most of the time I just left it in eco. That leaves it a nice blue and that meant that the that around the outside of the central of, of the circular central area uh, was my speedo. On the left hand side were all the trip computer type things. Mm -hmm. You know, your, your fuel consumption, sat nav directions if you were using the actual Lexus sat nav and not not CarPlay. Yeah, all these kind of things. Uh, adaptive cruise control displays to show whether there's a car in front of you because obviously it's easier to look there than it is to look out the windscreen. But the thing that really caught my attention in this is the fuel gauge. Sorry, battery gauge. Okay, but it is a you. gauge. It is an analog gauge. Right. That's not the future, though. The future is only bars. I don't know. But you know what? I really liked it. <laughs> and it did seem to be. It never seemed to sort of jump in, in, in chunks like, you know, a bar style gauge often does. But it's it's like a fuel gauge, and when you turn it on, it goes whoop, up to the right level. It's very strange, really odd thing to have left there. Was it a nice little bit of comfort for us <laughs> heathens who are not not fully used to our EV future? Do you know? Bizarrely, it was. Yes, yeah, I, I really liked it. So, is this part of the let's adapt? Let's get people comfortable to the whole electric future type thing or, or non-internal combustion engine future i don't know I, I i genuinely don't know or we've got a gauge for this already in the hybrid let's just leave it there hmm. 
I because there's, yeah, this well, odd, yeah. there's an odd blank area up above where it just says Lexus UX300E to remind you what you're driving, which to me is the equivalent of, you remember having really base spec cars, you used to sort of just get a, you used to just get a sort of blank disc where the rev counter should have been. <laughs> yes. It's a little like that. I imagine that what actually is behind that is the space where normally the temperature gauge would be or something. It's this kind of weird sort of dashboard blank. It's the only blank in the whole car. But no, I really like the, the fuel gauge. I think Just... I would prefer that as well because there are times that I do get frustrated with the whole bars disappear, mm. even if they're set horizontally or vertically. It doesn't matter. But you, you, you're going along and you go, oh, I'm, I'm okay, I'm okay. Oh, hang on, that whole chunk's gone. Just yeah, like and that. it's like, that's an eighth of my tank has just disappeared. I thought I had loads, now I'm not sure. Mm. There's also a display at the bottom of the circular bit, by the way, that shows how many miles there are left. It also changes slightly depending on whether you've got the ventilation on or off. If you turn it off, no, if you've got the ventilation on, there's an extra little symbol beside it to show you that that's the range with your ventilation on. If you turn the air conditioning off, then it then the number immediately changes to show how many how the distance that you'll go if you turn off your aircon okay it was a hot week the week i had it so the aircon stayed on <laughs> okay I, I played with it a couple of times i tried driving with the sunroof open locally and thought you know what i think i prefer air conditioning in this car but yeah that was the interior and sort of we've sort of smudged across a little bit to be honest, into, into some of the tech stuff, but we'll come back to that. Mm -hmm. So what was it like to drive? Uh, it drives like a car, mate. Hey, that's incredibly helpful. Yeah, yeah. No, the, in, in all seriousness, it is a smooth thing to drive rather than an overtly sporty car to drive. Mm -hmm. So the suspension is not particularly, particularly firm. I'm sure that that ride quality, it isn't... I, I don't think that the big battery hampers that in any way, shape, or form, giving a little bit more more weight in there. And of course, because it's right at the bottom of the car, then again, super low center of gravity, so it doesn't really roll that much. Just a nice thing to drive. So it's a nice balance of smooth ride, cosseting ride, and very little body roll uh, whenever you you you're going into and out of roundabouts and that kind of thing. How quiet. Is it Very. because almost? I mean, there was the SUV I drove uh, last uh, two years ago. Wow, um, that long? Uh, yeah, that was the NX. The first by the pub, way, first pubcast. Yes, that was an NX. NX. And just to remind you, that was. I was really blown away about how quiet that was, and I would imagine it's more so. <laughs> yeah, absolutely silent. Yeah. I took it to London and back, as one does. Because I thought, well, well, so the the range, because we will have to talk about this at some point, so now's as good a time as any. The WLTP range for this with the 18-inch wheels is 190 miles. Okay. Okay, which which is a decent range. I've, I've, Could easily get around Britain in that. Oh, yeah, 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 easily. And again, uh, like with uh, some of the Koreans, then when it tells you what the range, when it says this is your range, this is your range. So it was 100 and, it's 190 miles on 18-inch wheels, 196 on 17-inch wheels. You know, it's not a big penalty. There's a small penalty there. I worked on the basis that that probably would translate into about 170 miles mm -hmm. based on my experience of my driving 
uh, in EVs. And lo and behold, that that's about what it equated to, okay. <laughs> unsurprisingly. About 175, I think it generally came in at. That's pretty close. So, so it's pretty close. Yeah. With me driving, it's pretty close. Considering this, this probably was not designed from the ground up to be an EV as well. No, no, exactly. Uh, so, you know, that's that included all the the survey roads across to Northampton and then down the down the M1 uh, into central London, uh, and then back uh, back the, the the same route. So, not stressful roads at all. But there's a, there's a bit of everything in there and mm-hmm. roundabouts and accelerating and and all that kind of thing. And that was sitting. Uh, sitting at round about the the legal limit, so I wasn't driving at fifty miles an hour or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. The predicted energy consumption, which is really actually a more important figure than uh, than than your range, for eighteen wheels, three point six miles per kilowatt hour. Much of the time, I was getting over three, approaching three and a half most of the time for that so again those figures not a million miles away from reality uh, on a nice day even with the aircon running okay cool so yeah so from that point of view it, it wasn't a problem not to 60 is seven and a half seconds and the top speed of 100 miles an hour by the way not that i was particularly testing those no so yeah to get to london and back i know that it can be tricky to street park in london near a charger and I could have parked in a multi-story or in an underground car park. I know of quite a few of them where I could have charged in there as in there as well. This was my first and I think only trip this pandemic into London. So I wanted to street park because I wanted to, if I didn't like it, I wanted to be able to get away again. Mm-hmm. So I didn't do that. So I did a quick sort of splash of electrons in at Milton Keynes on the way down Milton okay. at the you know the big charging center at Milton Keynes coachway mm-hmm. which would be absolutely fantastic if there was somewhere where you could actually get some food that wasn't the cafe at Milton Keynes coachway <laughs> the actual you know the actual provision of charges <laughs> there is excellent just bring your own picnic <laughs> the provision of everything else is not really and it was all shut that'll come though i think that will come Yes, yes, I'm sure it will. If if there'd been a grid surf place nearby, I would have gone to that. But it, it, that involved almost doubling my mileage. I, I did consider trying. Uh, but yeah, so I did that because I knew there'd be charges and I knew it'd work. Uh, and lo and behold, they did. Good. Uh, just used my, my contactless card, flipped it, flipped it again when I was done and filled up. I think it was about £7, which isn't bad, really. Uh, so yeah, so it was about £7. Uh, still cheaper than petrol or diesel, especially just off the motorway mm. um, like that. I did that, went down, London, back, not a problem. Absolutely just fantastically relaxed. I think I, I haven't mentioned power output, 201 brake horsepower and 300 newton meters of torques. Which are immediate. <laughs> yes, yes, it does 300 newton meters of torques from zero. So it shifts. Yeah. One thing worth man- mentioning is that I think we're used to most cars give or take a, a Nissan or a Renault being a CCS charger, CCS mm. plug. This is quite unusual. I think because it's this more the standard in Japan, it's uh, uh, for being Chadimo. So the same as the Leaf, the same as the, oh, okay. uh, the Zoe. So you're capped at 50 kilowatts an hour uh, charging time, so you can't sort of charge as quickly as you can with CCS. Can't take advantage of Ionity or any of these kind of, these kind of ways of, of charging. But it's quick enough. It's the same as we used on um, on charging around Britain. Okay. Same speed, standard 
CCS Rapid is is just fine. There is a curious side effect of this, though, mm. and that's that it's an incredibly symmetrical car. It actually has a fuel flap on each side. Okay, now is that to is that to cure somebody's twitchiness that something isn't symmetrical or no 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 and it's not so that you can open both of them and take a picture of it from behind like an elephant or anything like that or anything <laughs> equally silly because only childish people would do that Alan yeah I don't I'd do that I don't think I put it into the show notes today <laughs> once you've noticed it you can't unnotice it so yeah one side has a charging mode port the other side has the has a Type Two port which of course you use for home charging or basically any other charging other than rapid charging okay Mm -hmm. which funnily enough both work just fine as well it's worth mentioning i did charge it up i did leave it one night on the 13 amp charger gear okay how did that do it did just fine i think it cost i think it added about two pounds fifty to three pounds onto my electricity bill overnight okay to to fill from i think it was about i think i had about a third of a third of a battery or so so that's two-thirds of a battery that's not bad it's not bad at all not bad at all yeah i mean if you you can't you can't get the equivalent petrol for that no no exactly and that's not on you know that's not on a special tariff or anything that wasn't using a a a, a grown-up wall charger that was just using the the supplied 13 amp one Mm -hmm. and plugging that into my garage okay you've touched a couple of things about tech but the official tech section the official tech section the, the official tech section is difficult because it has everything really uh, as standard i mean the only thing that really stuck out that i wouldn't have expected were the led headlamps uh the, which you can only get on the takumi they were particularly awesome um when i got it i went off to to visit friend of the show phil huff uh to watch him burn some meat and burn some hydrocarbons and on the way back along the a14 and stuff when it was it was quite quiet then the headlamps were really excellent really fantastically bright and clear cool other than that if you can imagine most stuff it's generally got it i mean there's adaptive cruise lane keeping assist the premium pack brings you smooth leather upholstery heated steering wheels everything smart you know keyless entry uh, wireless chargers, illuminated door handles with puddle lamps. And then Takumi brings you your blind spot monitoring, your rear traffic cross alert thing with auto brake, LED cornering lights, blah, 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 blah. I don't know. There's just nothing. There's lots of tech, but none of it is, is outstandingly outstanding in a sort of, in a sort of look at this fantastic technical feat. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than the fact they managed to squeeze a very good EV into into something that's normally a hybrid, which kind of brings us to the verdict, really. Well, before before you get to the verdict, mm-hmm. who is this car aimed at? Don't know. Okay, I'd like to think it was aimed at me, or something. I don't know. The trouble is, it's not right. The trouble is, it's not. Oh my goodness, look at my EV. Mm-hmm. Which is not a bad thing. Which is not a bad thing. Because, right. I mean, you think about the e-golfs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, well, it's the Lexus equivalent of the e-golf. Right. In that it's, hey, let's try this out in this uh, existing platform before we introduce something that's dedicated. In, in that case, it was the ID3. And again, it's a similar kind of thing. But it's the, the the price is what stymies it. I can imagine lots of people who lived in who live in cities, with it, this would work very nicely for them. Mm-hmm. It's a good, I feel, 
that that sort of 100 and, uh, 175, 180 mile range is a pretty comfortable range generally for someone yeah. if you can charge on a regular basis you've got the ability to do that and the access to that i think that that just under 200 miles is is a comfortable and and reasonable range mm -hmm. i still don't really understand who it's aimed at but i think i've explained probably why it exists at the top of the show yeah, yeah. so i'm not sure if that's an important thing or not fundamentally okay i would have one of these okay it, it says lots of things that i like or it has lots of things that I like, and it does lots of things that I like, and it was just so easy. Is that range enough for you, though? Um, these days, I mean, it is right. right now. But it is right if now. We, if we were talking about the before times, in the before times, I was pitching for two hundred and something, and that's because I wanted to be able to get to Heathrow and back again. Yeah, I was going to say this is on the cusp. I of don't not think quite that being your it magic will return distance. to the before times like that. No. So I, that doesn't bother me anymore. Okay. That hence, I feel that this is a reasonable range mm -hmm. for just about everything. Because if you think about it, even going to Scotland, what are you doing? You're stopping twice. I normally stop once anyway. Yeah, we should be. Yeah. And it's we've, not. We've, we've said this many we've times. Said you know, this we've so many times. 100 and, 175 miles, mm -hmm. if you're doing 70 miles an hour, it's, yeah. it's well over two hours. So yeah. you should be pulling over anyway. Yeah, exactly. And that's. Let that's, alone the fact we've we're old and have bladder issues well sweet for yourself but yeah <laughs> but yeah so it, it's not yeah yeah exactly so i don't have an issue with that i don't i'm quite happy to just plug it in and splash some fuel in whilst i i go and and grab a coffee and have a little wander around and whatever mm. it's a very attractive proposition this car apart from its price the price is a bit stingy yeah I think it was coming in on the on the. Uh, it was coming at six hundred and something a month. On the sample, where is it? Hang on. On the sort you, of sample, and, and if you're looking for a pure EV, there are other options. Significantly, yeah. So, so for the the spec I had, you're looking at six hundred and sixty-seven pounds a month, based on. 42 months a deposit of 5000 to be honest that's not so bad is it yeah 1000 pounds off oh sorry a finance deposit allowance of 1000 pounds and over 42 months 3.5% or 3.9 APR 667 pounds 42 per month i can't see how many miles that is but i don't really think that matters as much on these so i mean okay. that you, you put it that way it's not so bad but yeah yeah, I, I liked it a lot. I, as I say, if, if yeah, there's an awful, very attractiveness. It sounds like for their first first fully EV foray into it, it, it that's the that's the only bit that holds anyone back. Yeah, yeah, but but just just wait and see the next one. The next one will come. Yeah, yeah it'll be significantly cheaper. It'll be cheaper. Yeah, better yeah. value. Pardon me. Um. So yeah, yeah, liked it lots. Cool. Liked it lots. I seem to say at the end of every review. Oh, no, oh, no, not quite. Almost every no, review. But okay. I did like that one. <laughs> this is one of those cars which you had, I had no expectation of whatsoever. And come the end of the week when it was time for it to go, I was a bit, oh, oh I'm going to miss you. Which is sad. It's just really silly. Sounds like it made driving easy. 
Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely no effort at all. It's great, and, and locally as well as mid-range mm. distances and stuff. And comfort is a new luxury item. I think it we is. have to get adapted to, or people should yes. switch on to. We've we've been banging on about it for a while, but <laughs> why do you think I own a 1992 E-Class, mate? <laughs> anyway. Folks, before we digress any more, don't forget between now and the next time you can give us any feedback. Share your thoughts to the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Please don't forget to leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. And Alan, if people would like to know even more about comfort and how relaxing and enjoyable it was to drive this Lexus, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you personally? Uh, the best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter, where I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. We'll be back before very long. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring. <laughs>